get to do that electronically. And so again, thank you for your faithfulness. And uh, if you have a Bible, and I pray that you do, if you'd open it with me to the book of Proverbs, we're in a, a series here. Um, we change the series all the time. It's, you know, living wisely, wise living. You think about, you know, what Proverbs is really all about. And the first nine chapters, Solomon is contrasting uh, for us, Wisdom and Folly. It's a book that primarily he has written, uh, as we find in chapter one, to his son uh, with some instruction. First nine chapters, like I said, they're pretty much set in order. And uh, you find, again, the contrast of things that are foolish against things that are just an act of folly. And then uh, about to chapter 21 or so, you get uh, just a whole variety of different topics. And uh, again, then it concludes, uh, you know, with some of the teachings of the uh, Hezekiah's men. And then ultimately uh, in Proverbs 31, um, a beautiful proverb that we get written to uh, what many believe is actually a, a pet name for Solomon, uh, Lemuel, um, written by uh, his mother, would have been Bathsheba to him and uh, then written down. But uh, one of the neat things, you know, as we study through this book, the easiest way to study it is just studying the different topics. And that's kind of the way that we're approaching it. The best way to study it, and we'll do that uh, on Wednesday night, is we just walk through it verse by verse, you know, line upon line, precept upon precept. And I would just want to encourage you to join us on Wednesday nights. Uh, John Jones has taken over that series actually the whole study uh, from Genesis to Revelation, and we're in the book of Psalms right now, so we'll be heading into Proverbs and literally just walking through um, Proverbs as we go through the book. But uh, this morning, um, I wanted to take you through a couple different, uh, again, these are topics that come up, and they're, they're the primary teachings from the book of Proverbs. In Proverbs chapter 6, if you could turn there, and then we're going to thumb over to uh, Proverbs 24. And uh, I titled this morning's message, The Cure for laziness. Now, obviously, he's contrasting laziness and uh, a good work ethic here, or, or folly, the foolishness of, of what laziness is, and then obviously talking about the productivity uh, of, of what it is to have a good work ethic. Um, it seems, as I was studying through this, um, because of being in the midst of COVID-19, it's a, it's a real sensitive topic. There's many people that are out of work today that want to work. So I want to make sure that uh, you're clear on this. If you're out of work today and yet it's in your heart, you have a desire to work, you're not lazy. You know? And there's a difference between laziness and leisure. You know, God's called us uh, to be able to enjoy leisure. Um, he's called us to rest. You know, we have a Sabbath rest, but we're called into that obviously is found in Christ. Uh, but it's also, as we study through scripture, uh, it was a day uh, that the Lord had set aside. So uh, again, there's all kinds of misconceptions about what laziness is, what work is, what leisure is. And uh, we'll try to wade through some of this this morning. Uh, let's just take a moment as we do. Let's just ask the Holy Spirit to teach us and lead us and guide us through his word and to pull the things from it that he would want uh, for us to glean and learn today. And so Father, as we open up your word, uh, Lord, we, we do, we, we long to hear from you. And so, uh, Lord, we invite you by your spirit to speak to our hearts, to our minds, that you would encourage us in the areas of our life where 
Lord, we just need to be encouraged today. And if we need some prodding today, uh, Lord, let your word prod us and move us forward uh, to love and to good works, uh, Lord, that uh, we don't want to be a lazy people. We want to be productive. Uh, we don't want to be dissatisfied in life, Lord. We want to be fulfilled. And, and there's so much that your word teaches us and how to uh, discover and how to uh, fulfill uh, the very purposes of God in our life. And so as we look to you today, uh, we just invite you to lead us and guide us to the place that, Lord, you desire us each to be. And so we just give you praise. We give you glory. Lord, we want to honor you with our lives. Lord, as we study your word, we do in the wonderful name of Jesus. And again, we all agreed saying, amen. All right. Um, you know, when you, when you look at, by definition, I mean, think about this for a second. How would you define the word lazy? If you had to define it for yourself, you know, because that's what you, you kind of need to start with is a working definition of lazy. And uh, I'm not going to give that to you. I just want you to think about that. You know, we'll, we'll look through these passages of scripture here. Um, there's 19 different passages in the book of Proverbs that deal with the concept of, of laziness. And so obviously it's an important topic to God himself. Solomon, like I said, uh, you know, as I've shared with you in weeks past, you know, there was a, a definition for, you know, what a proverb is. It's, it's a, a pithy statement that packs a powerful punch. And remember, he's teaching this primarily to his son. So he's teaching wisdom in such a way that his son can remember it. You know, God's given us his word. I, I thank God for the, you know, in the origin, it wasn't given with addresses, but I'm, I'm thankful today that when we open up our Bible, there's, you know, there's a verse, you know, by uh, every passage. So we have something, an address to go back to and to remember it. But remember when the Jews, you know, would study the Bible, they were literally just, you know, memorizing books of the Bible, just chunks and chunks of scripture, not just, you know, a single passage. You know, people go, I finally memorized you know, a passage of scripture, Pastor Mike, I go, what is it? Jesus wept. <laughs> you know, and you go, well, that was good. You got that down, you know? And uh, yet, you know, scripture says, you know, how can a young man cleanse his ways? By taking heed according to your word. You know, David would say, you know, I've hidden your word in my heart, O God, that I might not sin against you. And so his word is powerful. Again, it's directive, you know, in all of our lives. And it's why we need to, you know, we need to study God's word. You know, when you think about, you know, Proverbs, just in the concept of Proverbs, you know, that they're short sayings based on long experience. And so again, there, there's so much that we can unpack uh, from each of these as we go along, you know, the, uh, you know, what does Proverbs say? you know, about laziness. If you look there in Proverbs 6 and verse 6, and, and I love this. Says, remember, you have to bear in mind, Solomon's writing to his son, okay? So he's writing to his son, and he's wanting to teach him in a, in, in a way that he, he'll remember it, and there'll be things that would stay with him. And one of the neat things about this, even in studying today, I know for a fact that it, it sticks within our hearts, because if you can create a word picture of something, you know, it, we're, it, we're more apt to to be able to comprehend it. And, he, and he, he demonstrates something. He creates an image. He paints a picture for his son. And so he says in verse six, he says, go to the ant. He said, you sluggard. I mean, how many had a parent that just got right to the point when they, they didn't, you know, we talk about in communication, that communication should be like this. It's like, it's like biting into a sandwich, right? 
Have you ever heard this expression? Like communication should be, the outer should be soft, the, like bread. And then there should be some condiments or some flavoring on the inside. And then you get to the meat of the matter, right? And then you do what? Then you give more flavor again. And then you leave with something soft. That's one of the, you know, some would say the, the, the key to effective communication. But, you know, when it's your kids, you just get right to the point, right? So here's a dad walks in. You can picture it kind of a Saturday morning. He's, hey, sluggard. You know, it's like not, hey, honey, it's good. You know, hi, happy Saturday. You know, he says, go to the ant, you sluggard. And usually that's because there's a history there. See, when you have history with people, you know, this is the, this is the case. So this is a father with a son. And he tells him, he says, consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain or overseer or ruler provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall your poverty come upon you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. I mean, you go, wow. He cuts right to the chase, you know, with this. But he, but he paints a picture using something that he knows that his son has seen, something that his son will see again. And he's inviting him. He's challenging him to go out and look at the ant. How many, how many guys in particular in here that used to play with ants when you were a little kid? Anybody? There's a few of you. How many had a magnifying glass? We're not going to go there. I just, wanted, I just want to ask you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. If you, if you had a magnifying glass, you, you, you looked for ants. Let's just put it that way. So, so here's a dad that knows something. It's the relatability. He knows that his son can comprehend, you know, what he's saying. God wants us to comprehend his instruction. God wants us to comprehend his word. And even when we think about, well, there's difficult passages, you go, the beauty of, of God is this. You know, God is, is triune, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us his spirit that lives within us to do what? To help us. Jesus said, when the spirit comes, he says, he will lead you and guide you into all truth. He said, he will reveal to you. He'll make known to you all the things that I've taught you. And I love that about God. He knows that, you know, we need help. He, he gives us the instruction, but he also, again, he wants us to understand it so much that it's, it's done in such a way that we can comprehend it. The Bible says the natural mind can't comprehend the things of God. But when we're born again, we have the spirit of God living within us. And so these are all things that we can learn and we can grow from. Uh, flip real quick, if you would, to Proverbs chapter 24. And uh, we'll pick it up in verse 30 there. And this is interesting because they're both talking about laziness, but they're talking about it from two different perspectives. In chapter 6, he's talking about his son going out and, and seeing for himself. And then in chapter you know, 24, what we find is a lot of parents will do this. If you're a good parent, you'll, you'll tell your kids stories about things you've experienced in your own life. And again, and those, that holds people's attention as well. Everybody loves a good story. And he says in, in verse 30 of Proverbs 24, he says, I went by the field of the lazy man. Now you go, you got to be thinking, how did he know that he was lazy? It's called deductive reasoning. <laughs> it's that simple. He says, and by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding. And there it was all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. And when I saw it, I considered it well. So he he didn't just blow past it. He studied it. You know, he, Solomon was a learner. You know, again, he, he was observing this. And he says, I considered it well. And I looked on and received instructions. 
And, and, you know, one of the things I want to stop right there just for a second, it just reminds me of is that, you know, the Bible tells us that all creation speaks of the glory of God, right? So you can literally just go outside and you can look at the stars, you can look at the heavens, you can look at the trees, you can look at the earth, and you can learn things about God. You can learn things about his greatness, you know, about his majesty, about his creativity. I mean, just his, in, how ingenious, you know, God is. And so he says, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, just like the chorus of the same song. And so shall your poverty be and come upon you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. So I want you to think about that. Two passages dealing with the same thing. It reminds me of a, an old saying, <clears throat> the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step, you know, Solomon, he, he understands, you know, that laziness really in the, is, is a process, you know, that, that occurs in people's lives. It, it's an end result of something, uh, of something lacking in their life. And so here he is, is wanting to challenge his son. He wants to challenge his son to do something that's really interesting when you think about this, because lazy people tend to do what? Probably more than anything else. If they don't do something, they actually do what? They, everybody does something. They watch something. One of the things you'll find really interesting, you know, if you look at what's transpiring in our world today, even since COVID-19, was the increase in Netflix and PureFlix and what are some of the other online? Disney, um, YouTube. I mean, all the subscriptions because people had more time on their hands. So they weren't, they weren't staying busy with things. They were looking for what? More entertainment to do what? To watch. More things to watch. And that's what the lazy person will do. There's the person who does it, and there's the person who watches other people do it. And so I think, you know, when you think about a lazy person as someone who's not doing it, but maybe someone who is watching everybody else do it. Then you think about the second, you know, in, in our society today, one of the downfalls of it, even apart from COVID, is our reliance on the entertainment industry. I mean, being the largest industry in the United States of America is entertainment. People that just want to watch things. You know what the second biggest industry is? The fast food industry. The people that don't want to cook for themselves, they go, I'd rather just pay or watch somebody else. You know, one of the, I don't know about you, but I like those restaurants where you can go and, and they cook the food right in front of you. You know, the guys in there, ta, 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 ta. there's one, I won't, but we get in, we'd listen to the guy and he's, he, it's just hilarious. It's entertaining. And we'll pay, you pay more for that. You're paying more to watch the person not only prepare the food, you know, in front of you, but entertain you while, you know, you're preparing to eat your food. And, you know, again, I, I think about the concept of, of laziness, you know, is that there's an old expression that says you can't steer a parked car. And so these are things that, you know, Solomon is talking to his son. His son, you got to get up. That's what he's telling him in Proverbs 6. You got to get up. Matter of fact, but I'm not going to tell you, you know, there's a lot of parents, you need to get up and get a job. Any of your, and you don't need to raise your hand to this, but I'm asking that as a question. You know, if your parents ever, when you were a kid, said, you need to get up. You need to get up and, and go get a job. You, know, you go, and yet Solomon in his wisdom, he didn't say, honey, you need to go get a job. He said, what you need to do is just go outside and look at the ants. That's what he's telling him. Just go outside and look at the ants. Because the lesson that he was wanting to teach his son would become evident to him as he studied the ants. Have you ever seen, and this I'll, I'll take by show of hands. How many have ever seen 
an ant farm. Have you ever seen where someone has actually poured, where they've done it in science, where they'll pour wax it down into an ant you know, colony, and then they'll excavate it, and then they'll pull it out, and you'll see just how massive. I mean, there, there's been some that uh, ant colonies that are literally 20 to 30 yards wide and goes down, you know, eight to 10 yards deep. And you're talking about these are ants and they're done in, in, a, in a way they're like little colonies. You can go online, you can, you know, Google it and, and look at the image. There'll be little burrows and then there'll be these little pockets and then they'll have, they're like little sub cities, you know, is what's amazing about it. And they live in these little pods and they, there's a, it's almost looks like they have a restaurant, you know, one they go, they go over there to get their food and then they go back to their, their little homes and then they can travel and they, you know, again, so Solomon is saying, honey, just go out and look at this, you know, look at this. You're going to learn so much about what it is to be productive, this little, little tiny ant and how hard they work, you know, and again, how many have ever owned an ant farm? You ever have one of those? Remember growing up as a kid? You know, they had like, what, two pieces of glass and they had a little stand and had sand in the middle of it and you put your ants in there and you'd watch them and you go, wow, this is exactly what Solomon is telling his son to do. He's going, I want you to, I want you to look at these ants. I want you to see how productive they are. And, and again, when you think about it from a work ethic, he's telling me they don't have a ruler. There's nobody that tells them what to do. They're just doing it. This was long before Nike said, just do it. You know, ants, Solomon were saying, ants were just doing it. That there was something within them. They're, they're, they were created for work. And it's really interesting to me because if you think about us as human beings, were we created for work? Think about that for a second. Go back to, to Genesis. Were you and I created for work? Was Adam and Eve created for work? And you go, absolutely. God placed them in a garden, right? And he told them they were to manage it. They were to tend the garden. See, people, unfortunately, they misunderstand that. They think that, you know, because of the fall, that no, work is the curse. No, work isn't the curse. Because of, of the fall of man, the labor is the curse, not the work. The labor that's intensified, you know, within it. That we're gonna, it's going to be by the sweating of our brow. But the work itself can be satisfying. There's many people that have jobs today that are very satisfied in their work that they do. And there's a reason for it. Matter of fact, this is what's really interesting to me. When you study Proverbs and you think about the concept of laziness and when Solomon's teaching about the concept of laziness, he's not talking about the person who's unemployed. You would kind of get that as the picture. He's actually talking about the person who is employed, but is truly, in the sense, dissatisfied or just lazy in their work. It's, it's astonishing, the numbers. If we, if we you know, looked at the numbers, if you think about anybody who works at a computer today, and we talk about, you know, we all want to say, well, everything I do, I do unto the Lord. I do it for the Lord's glory. But you think about it, God doesn't, he, he's, we're going to give an account of our entire life before God, right? And you think about this, if you looked at our computers during the course of the day when we're at work, how much of that really is spent on work issues and other things, it's just we're just looking up things on our own. That I'm talking about people that sit behind a desk and, and you would be amazed at the number of hours. I'm not talking about minutes, hours per day that people that are being paid to do a job are actually during the course of that job and they could say, well, you know, I was done with my work. Then you go, well, then you should go home and you shouldn't get paid for more than what you do. That's, that's stealing. I mean, and again, we, we think about being a thief, you go, but we're robbing 
God in the truest sense. You know, there's only so many hours in the course of a day. And again, these are just things that when you look at, you know, in the course of life and, and being productive and being lazy, um, especially when you think about how this works out here as you walk through the book of Proverbs, you know, we need to really think about our productivity. You know, again, it, it's such an important issue that Solomon is bringing up to his son. And we're living in a culture that is more and more is, is trying to figure out how do we get more leisure time out of the day? And you go, and again, but what has God called us to do? And again, there is a beauty. I mean, you think about there, there's such a satisfaction in doing the work that God has purposed for us to do. And maybe that's really where the dissatisfaction in this life comes from. Because if many people are working, you know, it's again, they're making a living, you might say, making a paycheck, but they're not making a life. And so what Solomon is encouraging his son to do is to make a life, is to commit himself to something that is going to be bigger than himself. And this will come out as you study through the book of uh, Proverbs altogether. Because remember, Proverbs isn't really, and it doesn't talk about the afterlife. It doesn't talk about heaven. Really, Proverbs as a, as a whole is dedicated to life here on earth. It's dedicated to life here and now, how to, how to maximize the moment that you're in, you might say, how to get the most out of this life. And it's why it's such an important book to read. It's why, you know, again, I encourage you, uh, you know, I think about, you know, Dr. Billy Graham, you know, through the course of his life, he would say, you know, I, I read, and he was one of the first people that just really popularized the concept of reading a proverb a day, of just dedicating yourself to just read a proverb a day. He said, I read a proverb a day. He would read a few Psalms during the course of the day. And, and that was on top of the studying that he was doing for whether it was personal study or for a, a teaching. And you're just hiding God's word in our heart. And, and you look there, you know, in, in Proverbs 24, as, as Solomon is drawing from his own experience there, remember he's, he's just on a trip going somewhere and he's going down the road and he's looking it over and he sees the fields around him and this one particular field stands out to him and, and he recognizes that, you know, just by looking at it, he's going, and you can tell that. It's like, just drive down a neighborhood and you look and you go, that house is either, you know, well manicured and you go, man, those people take care of their yard or they pay somebody to do it, but it looks really nice. And then you go by, you know, some houses and you go, man, either the person, you know, has died and there's nobody living here. The house is just vacant or the people that live here, they're just lazy, you know, and, and some you could say, or they just have really bad taste, I guess, you know, and what their, their uh, idea of, and especially because of becoming drought tolerant. Have you ever seen somebody's yard where they just let it go and they go, oh, I'm just trying to have a drought tolerant, you know, yard. I don't want to, you know, waste water. So, and it's just totally, totally dead. And so Solomon's looking at this and he's going, it's just all overgrown. It's full of weeds. And the bottom line is, and here's really the key. Everything that God does in this life is fruitful. When something's not fruitful, that's when you know it's not of God. When it's not life-giving, it's like, you know, when, you, when the grass is dead, you go, eh, it's not what? It's not alive. It's dead. God, God is into life. He's into giving things life. And so Solomon recognizes that, you know, there's some, some the person here, they lack diligence. And again, and he makes it perfectly clear, you know, as we walk through this, that a lack of diligence leads to poverty. And again, think about this and, and how Solomon knows this. Because in Israel, during the time of Solomon, they didn't have an irrigation system. They relied on two, two rains. They called it the, the former rain and the latter rain. And, and each time, you know, when it rained, 
you as a farmer, no matter what was going on, if it was in the springtime, usually it was kind of warm, but if it was in the fall, it probably could be freezing outside. And when the rain came, well, when the rains come, that's when the farmers would go out and do what? They would turn up the soil and they would prepare the ground, you know, for the seed. And, and if you can imagine what transpired in many people's lives in that, that day was maybe it was raining. It was so cold outside. The person's going, I'll just wait, you know, a few days. I'll wait till it's warmer. I'll wait. Remember, you know, the devil's favorite word is what? Tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. And so here Solomon's recognizing, you know, that, hey, the best time to go out in the field is right after it rains, you know, when the ground is soft. So maybe, you know, the, the person who owned this property, they looked out and they just went, it's just too cold. It's just too cold. I'm just, I'm just not going to do it. And, and again, what happens is then the ground becomes unproductive. There's no crop. They're unfruitful. And so you look at, you know, back at Proverbs 6. And again, what does he call? And he uses this term twice of a lazy person. He calls him a sluggard. He goes, go to the ant, you sluggard. And it's interesting, in the Hebrew, it's the word atzel, A-T-E-S-E-L. And it means sluggish. It means unmotivated. It means lethargic, indolent. Now, when you think about those words, a simple definition means one who hates work. That's what a sluggard is. One who hates work. And again, Understand here, Solomon's not writing to the unemployed person. You know, he's not writing to the person who in COVID-19 lost their work and who's sitting at home and is filling out applications and is just going through a whirlwind of, of you know, suffering in this because you're trying to figure out how do I get uh, employed uh, in a field where no one's hardly working right now or the ones that are open, it's, you know, such a, a small number of people that the pool of, of employees is so much greater. That's not who Solomon's talking about at all. He's talking about the person who can work, but who either doesn't want to work or who goes to work and doesn't appreciate, you know, through their, their work ethic, the very job that they have. And there's that old expression of sometimes you don't realize how good you have it until what? Sometimes we don't realize how good we have it until what? We don't have it anymore. Yeah. And, and it's so true. If there was anything that, you know, again, you look at scripture here and you want to be able to have a pathway to understand some things, especially as a parent teaching, you know, our children, um, or maybe you're here today, you know, it's a communion Sunday and you go, confession is good for the soul. And you go, I just need to confess. I'm, I'm just lazy. I'm just lazy. There's times in all of our lives when we probably go through seasons of, of laziness or a bout of laziness uh, for whatever the reason might be. Um, but again, there's things that come off the pages here. You know, what's kind of interesting, I look out and I see Ron Fox in the, in the back there. Um, you know, I saw on Instagram this, this week, um, you know, Ron was recognized. Uh, he works for the Kern County, uh, no, Kern County Fire. I want to say Bakersfield City, but he works for Kern County Fire Department. Uh, and uh, so he was recognized 25 years, 25 years, you know, of service. You know, good, not, I mean, not just picking up a paycheck, but uh, there's a whole fleet, you know, as a fleet manager uh, there for the Kern County Fire Department, who they break things all the time. I just want you to know, they take them out, you know, and they, they put out fires and all kinds of stuff. And Ron and the crew keeps uh, things going, but 25 years. So they recognize, you know, that service and, and go public with that. 
And, and, and again, those are things that we can take pride in, in the healthy sense of pride and be happy about because of the fact that we're making a difference. But there's also, you know, in scripture, when you think about the characteristics of a lazy person, you know, if you're a note taker, you might write these down. And maybe it's not for you. Maybe it's that you can just help someone else. It's like that, that good father. You know, I remember my dad many a time, you know, he would go to play golf on a Saturday morning and he would leave it like dark 30, you know, so it's still dark out when you're supposed to be asleep, right? But he'd come into my room because he wanted to talk to me before he'd go and he'd, Michael, um, okay, here's a note. I'm gonna put it on the refrigerator because he knows I'm gonna go there. So he's gonna put the note on the refrigerator and it's all these things. And he goes, and when you get up, when you get up, well, my dad would get home around, he'd play golf for like four hours. He'd get home around 11 o'clock. I was still asleep. Well, maybe I wasn't asleep. I was still in bed. And uh, he, oh man, he would be infuriated. He'd come in. He's like, I, he just played 18 holes of golf, you know, and hung out with his friends. And I'm still laying in bed. And I was like, dad, I'm tired. He's like, well, you stayed up, you know, too late. You know, and I go, but it's different. You know, as a kid, I go, I get that now. You know, my wife... She gets up at dark 30 and she's ready to go to bed at seven o'clock. You know, it's still light outside, you know, and, but you get up at, you know, dark 30, you go, that, that's the case. But, you know, most people, it's like, I'd go, I'd stay up till, you know, 12 o'clock and, you know, get up at seven or eight o'clock, you know, in the morning. But again, he's talking to a son. You have to understand Solomon is, is talking with his son here. And uh, it so reminds me, like I said, growing up father and son, relationships, you know, mother and daughter relationships. When you think about the characteristics then of a, of a lazy person is that they can't focus. Lazy people can't focus. They either will not focus or they can't focus. And there could be all kinds of things, you know, with that, with regard to being young, but there's something that needs to be done. And uh, there, there's work that needs to be done. It's right in front of them, right? You can go, it's right here. But like I said, the lazy person is unwilling or they're unable uh, to focus. And you think about this, Proverbs chapter six, it, again, it makes it perfectly clear. Proverbs six, look at there in verse nine, it says, how long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? He says, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall your poverty come on you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. So here he's saying, how long will you slumber, O sluggard? You know, so you can kind of picture this. He's leaning over the bed like my dad, you know, leaning over the bed in junior high school, you know, going, how long are you going to stay in bed? You know, how long are you going to lay there on that sofa? How long are you going to sit there in your chair? What is the lazy person, what are they communicating? They don't want to get up. The lazy person does what? They refuse to get up. I mean, you think about the things in our society that are just playing into the hand of being lazy, right? We have a thing for the TV. It's called what? A remote control. Do you remember when a remote control, I mean, I grew up in an era when you actually had to get up and change the channel. Can you imagine people, if they had to do that today, they, and when like the channel changer goes out and you hear people, oh gosh, no, oh my gosh. You have to actually physically get out of the chair and walk up and actually push the button on the TV. I mean, get this, think of this. I mean, today you can, you, you don't even have to go to the refrigerator to get food. They make sofas now and chairs. They got refrigerators, little armchair refrigerators built right in, thing plugs in. You can keep your food right in the chair. What they need to do is get a dishwasher that actually acts as a vibrating chair. That would be really cool. You could do your dishes and, and get a back massage, you know, all at the same time. 
Or, but think about this. I mean, this is how ridiculous things are getting. You can call the grocery store now and have them deliver your groceries to your... Now, now trust me, I'm not talking about during COVID-19, okay? I, I see where there's advantages, you know, to things uh, in the midst of this. But I'm talking about just being lazy. It's like you could go to the store, you get some exercise, you could at least walk down the aisles. Even the, and if you do it right under COVID, you get a good workout, right? Because if you follow the arrows... How many people go against the arrows here during COVID? I just want you to... <laughs> I do it all the time. I'm doing it by accident. I'm like, dude, I, and how I find out is I'm pushing down the aisle and I see some woman like going like this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Uh, you know, and you can't see your face because you got your face mask thing on and they're just, but you can read eyes though, right? And it's the eyes like Jesus, the eyes of fire. And they're, they're burning a hole in you. It's like, you're, you're going the wrong way. But it's just laziness, just pure laziness is that we see and, and it's played into our society here. And, and look at that in Proverbs 26, 14, you don't need to turn there. It says, think this imagery here in this. It says, as the door turns on its hinges, so does the lazy man turn on his bed. How many of you are floppers when you, when you turn over? It's like a hinge, right? So you're on your side and you literally just, you'll flop to the other side. You know, it's just like turning over. And so here's Solomon is, you know, they're painting this picture here. This would actually would be the, the words of the, the men of Hezekiah. He says, the doors turns on its hinges. So does the lazy man turn on his bed. It's what it's saying is the only time that that guy moves is when he's turning over. That, that's what he's talking about. That is lazy. You know, again, like I said, it's pretty easy to, if you have children here. How many have kids and you can you're already relating to this conversation. You've had this with your kids before and talking with your kids about being productive or being lazy. And again, Solomon is, is talking about, you know, the lazy person here, that they're just distracted by so many little insignificant things that the task that you give them is never completed. Uh, what was the, the cartoon? It was in the newspaper. It was called Family Circle. And you're the little, we always have this one picture where the mom gave uh, the trash to her son, told him to take the, the trash out. And so he takes the trash outside the door and then it, he sees a bird and then he follows the bird. You ever seen this one? And then the bird flies over the fence. So he walks around the fence. Then he sees the dog and the dog walks and he ends up going on like a mile and a half, you know, trip to come back to the door and then the garbage is still sitting there. And then he finally takes the, the trash out and puts it in the trash can. And you go, and it's like this for the lazy person. It's just, you know, cannot complete in the sense the task that is at hand. The second thing that lazy people don't do is they just don't finish what they start. Uh, my wife likes watching these uh, home improvement shows, which I fear because inside every program about a home improvement is another home improvement. And I asked her last night, I go, do you still like our kitchen? As we remodeled our kitchen. She's oh, I love it. I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm so, but the, they don't finish what they start. And these, I'm, we're watching this show and the guy has started like a hundred projects in his house. He took a door off, you know, and had it sitting over on the side and they're still in the house. He had done some drywall and he didn't even have the drywall back in at the bottom of, of you know, in the kitchen area there. And then he'd taken a cabinet off. I mean, he had like about 15 different projects that were started. You go, well, he's not lazy. And you go, no, it really is. There's a laziness that this really Solomon brings home as we study through this in scripture. It doesn't mean that the man didn't have good intentions. It doesn't mean that you and I don't have good intentions, but they just 
don't finish what they start. Matter of fact, that's what Proverbs 24 is all about. In Proverbs 24, again, in verse 30, what does he say? He said, that went by the field of the lazy man and by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding. And there it was all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone walls were broken down. He says, when I saw it, I considered it well. I looked at it and received instruction from it. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding the hands to rest. So shall your poverty come like a prowler and your need like an armed man. Great intentions. Bought the house, bought the field, got it all started. Just didn't what? Just didn't follow through. What happened? Then the wall finally does what? Breaks down. It collapses. You know, it's like mowing the yard. I remember growing up, my dad, you know, he, he mowed the yard until I was able to mow the yard. And then he taught me how to mow the yard. And he said, okay, so you, you need to do it once a week. And you, you can pick the day that you want to mow it on. You just got to mow it once a week. And I remember walking out one time and I looked at the yard and it didn't look that, that like it had grown that much. So I didn't mow it. My dad noticed it though. So he says, uh, Michael, why didn't you mow the yard? And I said, because it didn't really need it, dad. I go, it was just like, and he goes, uh, honey, the reason I have you mow it, he goes, because if you don't mow it every week, he said, it's going to get so thick. He said, it's going to take you longer to mow the yard, you know, the next time. And then you're not going to want to do it. And, and he goes, if you just mowed the yard every single week, he goes, believe it or not, you, it'll take you less time than if you skip a week and try to mow it once every two weeks. And I didn't believe him. And I think, you know, the next week something happened and I didn't, you know, I didn't mow the yard. So by the time of the, the third week, the grass was so big. If it took me 10 minutes to mow it while it was, you know, we didn't have that big of a yard, 10, 15 minutes to mow it just regularly. It took like an hour to mow it. So I'm going, that's four times, you know, 15. Yeah. It's like you go, if you don't have enough time, there's that old expression. If you don't have enough time to do it right the first time, where are you going to find time to do it right the second time? You know, laziness just never leads to anything productive. You know, one of the, the like I said, the, the funniest examples that we find in Scripture, you know, and especially in the book of Proverbs, is found in Proverbs 12, 27, where it says this, the lazy man does not roast what he took in hunting. So you got to picture this. So it's saying, here's a guy that got his bow and arrow, that he went out and he went hunting. So to go hunting, you know, I know there's a few of you guys that are hunters in here and, and you could walk for miles and miles. And he finds the prey, he hunts the prey, he kills the prey. Then he goes in and he has to pack it out, whatever it was, he has to carry it home, right? So he brings it home and then it says, what does he do? It says, he gets it home and it says, but the lazy man does not roast what he took in hunting. Imagine that. He, this is, talk about laziness. He gets it all the way home, and then he doesn't even have enough energy to prepare it. And you go, what was the point in all that? And you go, that is just plain lazy. Oh, but there's, there's an even worse example. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 24. It says, a lazy man buries his hand in the bowl, and he will not so much as bring it to his mouth again. Now, there's a cute picture of this. Anybody ever seen those pictures of, of children, uh, babies? They're in their, their, they're sitting there and, and you've got them in their high chair and you put a bowl of food in front of them and, and, they're, and they're falling asleep. And they'll, you'll see them and they've got their spoon and they'll go like this and they'll go, and literally just fall asleep. And you go, that's cute. 
But when you're 40-something years old, that is not cute. You know, that you go, what? What is he? He says, a lazy man buries his hand in the bowl and he will not so much as bring it to his mouth again. You know, maybe on a more personal, you know, basis. I mean, how difficult is it when the toilet paper runs out to put another roll of toilet paper back in where the toilet paper goes? You think about that. I mean, this is the epitome of laziness. I, I guess I don't really want you to see the imagery in your mind there. But I mean, that's a job that you can do sitting down, right? I mean, and to think people are so lazy, they won't even switch out the toilet paper, wait for the next person, you know, to come and to do that. No, but in all these passages that we've looked at, you know, here in Proverbs, it starts with something that just never gets finished. You know, people... Whatever the reason is they have, um, you know, is nothing more than an excuse. Lazy people always have an excuse as to why something doesn't get completed. I love this expression. It says you can make excuses or you can make a difference, but you can't do both. And we just need to choose to make a difference. It reminds me of this joke. A lazy man goes to the doctor for a complete physical examination and after the examination, the lazy man says to his doctor, okay, doc, go ahead, give it to me straight. What do I have? And the doctor looks at him, he says, to be perfectly honest with you, there's not a single thing wrong with you, except for the fact that you're just plain lazy. The man looks at him a little perplexed and he says, okay, he says, uh, can you give that to me in medical terms so I can explain that to my wife? You know, and you think about that. It's like, I got I to sell her on this one. I, I don't want to just plain English. That's not going to work. You know, the third characteristic, though, of a, of a lazy person's life is, it's really the saddest thing when you think about being lazy, is that lazy people live unfulfilled lives. And that, that's what scripture teaches us. Proverbs 6.11 says, so shall your, and, and so does Proverbs 24.34, both, both passages we looked at in Proverbs 6 and Proverbs 24, it says, so shall your poverty come on you like a prowler, and it says, and your need like an armed man. You know, the result of laziness, church, is poverty. That's the saddest part, you know, when you think about laziness. Because you still have desire, but you just don't achieve those desires. And it's not just, you know, poverty. I mean, laziness leaves you restless. It leaves you unsatisfied. It leaves you discouraged. And it leaves you frustrated. I think, you know, there's so many people that can can understand today, you know, think, oh, okay, I, I get, you know, why, why am I so frustrated? Why am I so discouraged? Why am I so dissatisfied in this life? Proverbs 21, 25 says, the desire of the lazy man kills him for his hands refuse to labor. The saying is, you know, you've got the ability, you've got the hands, but you just won't do it. You won't do the work. You have desires, but they just go through life unsatisfied. And it's one of the things that I think we appreciate about people who get up and, and make a difference is that they, they, they just choose to, to, to go for it. Proverbs 13, 4 says, the soul of a lazy man desires and it has nothing. You know, what was that telling us? You know, lazy people, they have appetites. But they just go unfulfilled. They have desires, but they just don't get satisfied. So what's the cure? We close with this. What's the cure? purpose. 
I want you to think about this. Purpose. You know, how do you cure laziness in any person's life? Purpose. That there's a reason that you're here. There's a reason for living. You know, I read this this week it was, in studying this. It says, use your uniqueness. That's what you do to make a big deal out of God. That's why you do what you do every day of your life where you do it. You know, again, to think about that. What you do and why you do, where you do. You know, it comes back to, you know, fulfilled people are what? People who serve other people. Solomon, church, as he, as he starts the book of Proverbs, remember the first nine chapters, he's contrasting foolishness with, with, with wisdom, folly with wisdom. And he uses, you know, two women to, again, this imagery, you know, for his son to be able to, to learn from. But he says it all begins with one thing. You know, if you, if you want to get really, you know, to the place where you get cured of laziness, you know, in your life, as you go back to Proverbs chapter one, verse seven, the fear of the Lord. When you and I come to a place that we fear the Lord, and what I mean by that, that's a healthy fear of who God is. That, you know, again, as Colossians, you know, reminds us is that, you know, that everything that exists, exists for God and that nothing that exists, exists apart from him. That you and I were created by God and we were created for God. The dissatisfaction happens in life is when we try to live for ourselves and we start going, well, you know, I want to do this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. That, that's the wrong perspective. And you might even be, you go, well, I'm not lazy. You know, I do that. And you go, well, in probably in the true sense we are because we picked the lower road. The high road is to do what? To seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. People go, oh, that's too hard. I hear it all the time. People go, well, if you serve God that way, you know, Pastor Mike, I mean, you know, that would make your life more difficult. So you go, what are we saying? We're lazy. We look for the easy way because it's the way that satisfies us. We're looking for the thing that, that satisfies our own heart and mind. You know, six times in the book of Proverbs, we find the word diligence. Proverbs 12, 24, it says, the hand of the diligent will rule, but the lazy man will be put to forced labor. But like I said, how did they get there? How do we get to become diligent? Man, Solomon nailed it right from the very get-go in our life. You know, Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning. That's the starting point of everything. It's the beginning of, of knowledge. It says, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. You want to make a living or do you want to make a life? I'll remind you of this just really quick here. Acts 13, 36 says, For David, after he'd served his own generation by the will of God, he fell asleep and he was buried with his fathers. See, David was fulfilling God's purpose in his life. You think about that. It says, For David, after he had served his own generation, the key to overcoming laziness is serving God. When you and I determine in our hearts to serve God, then we realize that, you know, my life's not my own, that we were created for God. We were created by him and for him. And we put that into the daily practice of our life to seek him. You know, as Romans 12, 9 through 13 says, let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another. Then look at this. It says, not lagging in diligence, but fervent in spirit, what? Serving the Lord. That, that's the cure. When you and I determine to serve God, that he becomes the lens that we look at everything through. You know, the person who's lazy is only looking at themselves. And they go, well, you know, it's, it's just, you know, me, 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 me. And you go and right, and that's the end result of it. But when our focus becomes God 
and on the things of God, that's where passion comes in. That's where purpose comes in. That's where diligence comes in because that's where the empowerment, we were created by God. We were created for him. Look what he says. It says, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. It says, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality. Wow. Not lazy in our work, but serving the Lord and doing it enthusiastically. You go, why? Because we're tapping into the very thing that we were tapped in for. And maybe you're here today and you're just going, you know, I, I get it, Pastor Mike. You know, I, I'm lazy in, because I, I, I'm just... I think of myself, I think of what I want to do, I want to think about why I want to do it, as opposed to when, when God becomes our motivation. You know, what, did, what did Jesus tell you know, the apostles? Think about the book of Acts and how it begins. He said, you know, wait. He said, don't, he said, tarry in the city until when? He said, until you're endued with power from on high. And then, you know, again, when, when God fills our heart and he fills our life and he empowers us, you know, and we become unstoppable in that moment. You think about that. I can do all things through what? Through Christ who strengthens me. I can't, I, I can't do it. I run out of energy on my own, but the things that we're doing for God and we're passionate about, those things, church, you know, we'll never become lazy when, when Jesus becomes our focus. And so what I need to be praying, and I think what we all need to be praying more and more is God, open up our eyes open up our eyes to see you. And as we do, there's something that happens within each of our hearts, each of our lives. I'm going to invite the, the uh, worship team to come back and we'll take this moment. And we're going to pass out the elements of communion. And as we do, like I said, I just want you to hold on to them and uh, we'll receive communion here this morning together. And just, you know, use this time, you know, and ask the Lord as we should do is search us, you know, search my heart. Lord, is there areas of my life where you know, I'm not in tune with you, that I'm, I'm off track. Uh, Lord, I'm thinking about, you know, the book of Proverbs today. You know, am I, again, we're not saved by good works, but we're saved unto good works. You know, you go, God, is there something that you're calling me to do? And I'm just, I'm just being lazy because I know that, uh, Lord, it, it's a death to myself. And uh, just allow the Holy Spirit to do that work. It could be something completely different this morning. But uh, again, as he reveals those things to us, we appreciate the fact that he came to give us life and life more abundantly. And so, Father, as we just prepare our hearts for communion this morning, we invite you, Holy Spirit, to do that work in us. Do a fresh work, Lord. God, fill us with energy, with power from on high that we could complete the task that, Lord, you've given us to do. God, we don't want to be lazy, Lord. We don't want to be self-centered or self-focused, Lord. God, we want purpose, Lord. And we know that, Lord, when we are serving your purpose, Lord, you provide all the power, everything that is needed to fulfill it. And so, Lord, today we look to you to do that work in each of our hearts, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And so these tables...